about Jamie and that band there doing a little Avril Lavigne. Now, don't tell my wife, but I used to have a crush on Avril Lavigne. It's complicated. Um, man, but I, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Uh, anytime I get a chance to speak, my name is Kurt Lawson, and I serve as the Do Good Director here. And anytime I get a chance to speak, it's, it's truly a joy and an honor um, and, and a humbling experience to speak to you guys. So I want to start off and pray, and then we'll jump into it. God, I thank you for this morning. God, thank you for a chance to open your word, God, to uh, see what your word has to say about how we do relationships. God, I pray that your word would challenge us this morning. God, that your word would change us this morning. God, that we would look more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, well how many times in, in whatever relationship you're in, whether it's your marriage or your uh, neighbors or your coworkers or friends, whatever it might be, your kids, how many times have you looked at the other person in the relationship and, and, and said or at least thought, man, I wish they could be normal like me? <laughs> you know you've done that. I wish they could just be normal like me. I want to break something to you today. I want to break some news to you. This might hurt some of your feelings, but you're not normal, okay? You're weird, and that's okay because I'm weird. My grandma used to say it like this. Everybody is somebody else's weirdo. Think about that, <laughs> wise woman. Everybody is somebody else's weirdo, and it's true because we all have differences, Right? And, and when we talk about relationships, we're talking about two people, whatever it might be, and you're putting two people that are completely different, or at least have some differences, into a relationship, and, and you're asking them to get along. You're asking them to, to do things well. And that's hard, and that's when it gets complicated. My wife and I have been married for, for a little over 14 years, and we dated for six or seven before that, so we've been together a long time. We know each other really well, and I would say, honestly, we have a great relationship. I think she would tell you that, too. <laughs> Not sure. Um, um, and so this week, as I was preparing for this, I, I sat down with her, and I asked, I said, hey, what do you think, what do you think the biggest difference that we have that, that causes the most friction? What's the difference that we have between each other that causes the most friction? And, and we agreed that it was this. My wife is, is very much the type of person that takes on the motto of, of uh, why put off to tomorrow what you can get done today, right? She's a, I'm going to get it done now type of person. Anybody else in the room? I'm going to get it done now. Yeah, you people are weird, okay? <laughs> Told you. I, on the other hand, am and more of the type like, eh, why do today what we can put off till tomorrow? Okay? Yes, thank you. I, amen. I got some amens for that. Woo! Like, like I'm going to get it done just when I want to get it done. Okay? It'll get done. So when we first got married, she would leave me a to-do list on the counter. This was her passive-aggressive way of letting me know, hey, we need to get this done. Okay? And now we've been married a little over 14 years, so we've gotten more comfortable. I guess she has, obviously, because now she, she just took the passive part out. She's aggressive, aggressive now <laughs> when, it comes to, when it comes to telling me I need to get things done. I get text messages, you're going to get this done? You need to get this done. You need to get this done. Did you do this yet? And you know what I respond? Because I'm so holy, I, I respond with the Bible. In Proverbs... It says it's better to live on the corner of the roof than in the house with a <laughs> nagging wife. 
she's in the room, so I'm in trouble later. You guys can pray for us. You guys can pray for us. But relationships are complicated because we're different. I have a relationship that, that's really not that complicated. And, and I think most of you know this about me, or, or, or a lot of you do, but some of you in the room don't know this about me. I have an identical twin brother, okay? He goes to church here, he serves here, and so some of you, like, you go up to him, hey, man, that was a good sermon, or hey, man, that's a bad sermon. Like, stop doing that. It's not me, okay? He's my identical twin. Now, if it's bad, you can keep going to him and, hey, man, that's, that was terrible, okay? But here's a picture of us when we were young. Yeah, I couldn't find a good one of us older. That's Kirby right there. And then uh, that's me, the handsome little fella over there. And so uh, that's us with my sweet mama and my older brother. Okay. Um, and, and so my, mine and Kirby's relationship really isn't that complicated. And you know why? Well, we look alike. We talk alike. We think alike. We have the same opinions. We have the same thoughts on almost everything. Like, when we were young, we'd punch each other in the face and get after it, right? But I can't tell you the last time Kirby and I have, have disagreed or argued about something. We're just identical twins, man. We're the same person. And you know what? That makes relationships really easy. But the truth is that none of you guys, I don't know if you're identical twin, but other than that, none of you guys have those relationships because they're relationships with two people that are completely different. And so the question that I want to tackle this morning, the question that I want to answer this morning is, how do we get along? How do we get along despite our differences? How do we do relationships right despite our differences? And to do that, I want to take a look at some of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to some of the churches early on. And, and if you don't know who Paul is, Paul used to be, used to be Saul, and he, he was a Jewish man, and he, he, it was his mission to stop this movement of Jesus followers. And so as he was on the road to go stop this movement of Jesus followers, to persecute Christ followers, Jesus met him on the road. Paul's eyes, Saul's eyes were open to the truth of who Jesus was, and he became a Christ follower himself. And Jesus changed his name to Paul, and then Paul would travel around, and he would tell people about Jesus, the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus, salvation that we have in Jesus. And, and he would write these letters to the Christians. He would write the letters to these churches in different cities. And so I want to take a look at some of those because a lot of them, a lot of the stuff that he wrote has to do with how we relate to each other. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12, the book of Romans, the, the letter that, Rome, that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. Chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. God sent Paul. God sent Paul. He authorized Paul to go and give these, this message to the people. He said, don't think of yourselves, or sorry, don't think you are better than you really are. That's good. We could pray after that and go home. He says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. You see, I think the first step on how, how do we do relationships well, how do we get along despite our differences, is that I have to have a proper view of me. I have to have a proper view of me. If we go back to that verse in Romans 12. He, he says to not think of yourselves as, as better than you really are. This proper view. Not have this puffed up image of yourself. 
And he says, but to be honest in your evaluation of yourself. It's like Paul is telling each and every one of us to stop what we're doing and to take a look in the mirror. Because when it comes to relationships, when it comes to how you interact with other people, it starts with you. And it starts with you taking a look in the mirror and answering this question, who am I? Who am I? And the way that you answer that question will impact all of your relationships. The way that you answer that question will impact everything about you. I want to unpack that a little bit. It's in, in Romans 12, 3, it says, by the, by the measure, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. I want to unpack that a little by using another verse in Colossians. Colossians 2, 6, it says this, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You see, this is extremely personal. This doesn't say, this isn't this objective, broad statement that Christ Jesus is Lord. This is, you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. It's personal. And when you as an individual have done that, you are completely changed. Your identity is completely changed. Your identity is now found in who you are in Christ. And so when you take a look in the mirror and you start to answer the question, who am I? This has to be the first place you go. Is who am I in Christ? How does God view me now that Jesus is Lord of my life? That in, in, in Christ, I am now called a child of God. In Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I am set free. In Christ, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ, I am made right with God. In Christ, I find my security. In Christ, I find my meaning. In Christ, I find my hope. In Christ, I find my life. And he goes on and he says, let your roots grow down. Verse 7, let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. This idea of your roots growing down, it's a, it's a tree. It's a picture of a tree. And a tree gets its life from its roots. A tree's foundation is found in its roots. And it's saying you as somebody has, that has made the decision to, put, to, to confess Jesus as Lord of your life, your foundation, your roots, your life is found in Jesus. Who you are is now defined by who you are in Jesus. He goes on, he says, and, and let your lives be built on him. Everything you do, everything you are, the center of that is Jesus. That's how we as Christ followers are called to live our lives. That's how we as Christ followers are called to look at ourselves. When we, when we ask the question, who am I? The answer is simple. We sing a song in here all the time, and, and there's a line in there. It says, I am who you say I am. I love that song. I love that line. I am God who you say I am. That's how I define myself. And, and the reason this is so important, because this will start to change everything about you. This will start to change the way you interact with other people, the way you do relationships, because now you're confident. Now you're secure in who you are, and that will impact how you relate with other people. There's, a, there, there's this verse in, in uh, the book of Psalms that I, that I stumbled across a couple years ago, and, and man, it just really st stood out to me. And it was David, King David, who's known as the man after God's own heart. He writes this, and I want you to hear this in Psalms 119.59. He says, I pondered the direction of my life. It's exactly what we're talking about. I stopped and I looked in the mirror. 
I stopped and I pondered. I stopped and I thought about the direction of my life. And then obviously there was something in his life that wasn't pleasing to God. There, there wasn't going the direction that he should be going because he says, I turned to follow your laws. I turned to follow your ways. God, I, I saw something in my life as I stopped and evaluated my life. I saw something that didn't line up with the way you're calling me to live my life. And I turned to follow your ways. I love that. Perhaps this morning we could apply that to our relationships. That as we examine ourselves, that as we now identify ourselves as who we are in Christ, that, that as we desire to do things the way he calls us to do things, would it lead to step two of how we do relationships well? And that is now I have to have a proper view of you. I have to have a proper view of you. You know, God loves people. Do you know that? I see some of you right now. That's good, man. God loves people. I think we know that. God loves people. He doesn't love people because he sees eye to eye on everything with people. God's holy. His ways are so much higher than our ways. God doesn't love people because they always get it right. God doesn't love people because they follow him. A lot of people don't follow him and he loves them anyways. Do you know why God loves people? God loves people because he created them and he created them in his image. They bear his image. Could we view people like that? When you look at that person that just annoys you because they're so much different than you, could you look at them as an image bearer of God Almighty? It'll change the way you treat them. It'll change the way you interact with them. Paul's writing another letter to, to, the, to the people in Philippi, in the, the uh, letter to the Philippians. Verse two, he says, this, I mean, sorry, chapter two, verse three and four, he says this, don't be selfish. Don't make life all about you. He says, don't try to impress others. I like that. Be confident in who you are in Christ. You don't have to try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. You see that? When we talk about having a proper view of others, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. How do we get there? Because if I'm honest with you, most of the time, I don't just look at people and automatically, man, they're better than me. Like how, how do we get there? Like who lives like that? Well, glad you asked. Jesus did. Philippians 2, we go on, 5 through 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or a servant, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, stepped down from his throne and entered our world. It says he laid aside his divine privileges. He, he, he put on skin. He became a human. He said himself, I didn't come to this world to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus, our great example, stepped off his throne. Can we step off our little pedestals and view ourselves properly 
and let that view, let, let us have a proper view of other people? Can we elevate other people? Can we die to ourselves? Can we follow the example of Jesus? You see, we all have a choice in how we treat people. We all have a choice in how we treat people. We can build people up or we can tear people down. We can choose to see the good in people or we can continually point out the bad in people. My, my wife and I have, have had some, some arguments over the years and, and uh, I mean, like we don't argue, we argue. Right? We've had some, some arguments over the years, but there's been a couple of times where she said something along these lines to me. I feel like you don't even like anything about me. And like when she said that, it really hurt. It really hurt because my wife is the one person on this earth that I love more than anybody. But obviously I'm not doing a good job of communicating that to her. You know why? Because I'm always pointing out the things about her that I don't like. I'm always pointing out the things that are different about her, the way I would have done something differently. I'm letting the little bitty things uh, become big things and, and argue about them. Instead of building her up and choosing to, to, to point out the good in her, I'm, I'm constantly pointing out the negative. And it hurt when she said that. We have a choice. In your marriage, in your relationships with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your kids, you have a choice to constantly point out what's wrong with them or to constantly build them up and point out what's great about them. It's your choice. And you see, when we, when we take an honest look in the mirror and we start with me, we start with, I have to have a proper view of me that will lead us to a proper view of you, of others. And then ultimately that will help us have a, a proper view of us as a whole. Back to Romans chapter 12, Paul's still writing. He continues. He says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. You see, we need to start viewing each other not as competition. I'm not competing with you. There's no prize I'm trying to win me and you are competing for. We should be competing together as a team, the one body of Christ on one mission and that's to love God and love people. To, to proclaim the name of Jesus. That's what we're fighting for. And we're on the same team. And so would we have a proper view of us as a whole? Would we lay aside our differences? And would we fight together? Not against each other. He goes on in 1 Corinthians and he says it, uh, the same thing. But I want to read it to you because the end has a different uh, uh, one point I want to stick. Uh, Point out, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. He's writing this to a different group of believers. It's obviously really important. So it is, you think they had trouble getting along? I probably did. So it is with the body of Christ. We'll go to 18. It says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. You know that thing about somebody that annoys you? It could possibly be something God created them that way. Could be a sin, but it could possibly be something that God created them that way. God gave each of you a talent. He gave each of you abilities. He, he made each of you unique. We're not meant to be the same. We're, he made us different. 
How strange a body would be if it only had one part. This part, I just picture like a big nose up here preaching. <laughs> nose can't talk, I guess, but I'm dumb, sorry. He goes on in verse 20, it says, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And here, here, here's the part I want to highlight. It says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You see, as, a, as a one body, as one team, we need each other. We need each other. We're not the same as individuals as we could be as a team, as one body. I was talking to a guy that's in my Wednesday morning small group. Uh, we, we were talking this, this past Wednesday, and I was, he, he's a, a coach at a high school, local high school. He coaches soccer, and I was like, hey, man, how's your team doing? And he, he said, hey, you know, we really have some talented guys. We really have some guys on the team that are talented. He said, but as a team, we're just not very good. We're not, we're not having a good season. Because the guys are more interested in their, in their playing time or their stats or their individual glory than they are about the team. Let's don't forget that we're part of a team. And we're not the star of the show. Could we have a proper view of ourselves? Could we identify ourselves the way Christ identifies us? Could we have a proper view of others? Could we elevate them as better than ourselves? And then a proper view of us that we're in this thing together. And that will lead us to doing relationships well. That will lead us to doing relationships better. And I started thinking, like, why does this matter? Like, why does it matter? Why, am I, why are we talking about doing relationships well? I think there's a lot of reasons, but one thing that popped out in my mind was a verse in, in, in the book of John. This is one of Jesus' followers. He's writing, and he says, um, by this, this is a conversation that Jesus was having with his followers. He, he, he tells them, hey guys, there's something that's gonna set you apart. There's something that's gonna identify you as mine. He says this, he says, by, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this one thing, everybody will know that you're my follower. By this one thing. Some of you know what it is, but Start thinking, well, well, maybe it's if you just show that you're better than everybody else, then everybody will know that you're my follower. That's not what he says. He doesn't even say if you go to church every week, even though I want you to come to church every week. Come on. Kenny will be back next week. It's good. Here's what he says. He says, by this, this will be the thing that sets you apart. This will be the thing that identifies you as my follower. He says, if you... Love one another. If you love one another, that's why this is important. That's the thing that we as Christians are supposed to be good at. That's the thing. This is the thing that we as Christians are supposed to be known for is how we love each other. I, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I don't really like people. Yep. And they hired me at the bridge, so... It's hard for me, like it, it really, if I'm, if I'm just honest with you, like it's hard for me sometimes to like people because I think people are weird. Like I, I look at them and it's easy for me to see that they're different from me and I'm just like, eh, I don't even want to try to get to know them because they're different than me. 
So my family and I, we went to Disney World uh, back in October. Anybody been to Disney World? Yeah, awesome place. It was fun. We, we had a great time. Four days, four different parks. We were exhausted. Walked 9,000 miles in four days. And it was a great time. Great family time. Good quality time together. It was a great vacation. I took a picture. We went to this um, Halloween party. Took a picture. You see that? Yeah, most of you are like, you see the castle. It's all lit up. Oh, it's the most magical place. I know Marshall's thinking this. Most magical place on earth. But you know what I see? People. Yep. We spent four days of standing in lines. I saw more kids in strollers. Than, like, dude, you're way too old to be in that stroller. <laughs> I sat in lines. I sat back and just watched people and it just annoyed me. Like, to be honest with you. Like this, this was a hard, this was, this, this was a hard talk for me to prepare. I got to be honest with you guys. Like I need to step back and look in the mirror and be confident in who I am in Christ. So I can see people, so I can elevate, elevate people as better than myself. So I can see people as better than myself, so I can die to myself, so I can serve other people in hopes that they might come to know Jesus. You see, there's a verse in Revelation. I want to read this to you. This is, John got a vision of what heaven was like. And I, I want to read this to you. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine and 10. He says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. I'm in trouble. Hope I start liking people by then. It says, from every tribe, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, and can I add in every political view? That one hurt some of you. Every opinion, every thought, every difference that you don't like, that, that, that sticks out about other people, that you can't have a relationship with them because they're different than you, they're all going to be there. All that have trusted in Jesus as Savior will be there. Different people. And here's what, they're gonna, here's what we're going to be doing. It says, standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. Do you think our differences are gonna matter when we're doing that? I don't. I think it's gonna look foolish. We're gonna look back and be like, I can't believe I didn't love that guy because he was different than me. It's not gonna matter when we get there. It's not going to matter when we're worshiping Jesus before the throne. Why should it matter now? Can we live differently? Yes, relationships are complicated. But the way to make them better, the way to make them less complicated, it starts with you taking a look in the mirror. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this morning. God, thank you so much for everybody in this room. God, I, I just confess to you that relationships are hard. It's hard to love people sometimes. I know I'm not alone in that, God. God, so I pray for all of us in the room, God, that we could take a step back and just take an honest look in the mirror.
that we could have a proper view of ourselves, that we could bring down our view of ourselves, that we could have an elevated view of other people, that we could view them as better than ourselves. God, that we could see us all as a, a team, a whole. We're on one, one mission, and that's to make your name known. God, we love you. We thank you that you love a people like us. We thank you that you created us each unique. And God, you love us just the way you created us. We love you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.